You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
On this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, Seth Hall is in Oregon and he catches up with David Church. He spends a day running beagles and chasing rabbits. Seth and David talk about all aspects of running beagles and rabbit hunting in Oregon. Everything from long bows to compound bows to predator effects on beagles. It's all in here, folks. It's a great, great podcast. And of course, Seth always brings that energy that is just infectious. You're really going to enjoy it. Hey, before we get there, I want to tell you about Dogs Are Treed. If you're a rabbit hunter, if you're a competition coon hunter, if you're a big game hunter, if you are a houndsman and you want top performance, you need to go to Dogs Are Treed and check out their products. Check out specifically Dogs Are Hydrated. Hydration is the number one key for peak performance in our hounds. And Dogs Are Treed has a solution for you. Keep those dogs hydrated with Dogs Are Hydrated. The sled dog community knows the value of this. Big game hunters have been using the Dogs Are Hydrated product with great success. Go there today, dogsartreed.com, and use the promo code HXP20% off at checkout. Okay, let me say that again because it sounded like you had to type all that in. It's HXP20% off when you are checking out. That sounds better. Hey, Seth is wound up, as always. Great energy. The old South Dog Box is rocking. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. So, uh, a great day of rabbit hunting and I'm blown away. This has gone literally exactly how I hoped it would go. So, um, I'm in the central Oregon, I guess, would this no, be? Not no, not central, we're western Oregon. Western Oregon, northwestern, mid, midwestern, I gotta Probably look central, it. central western Oregon. Perfect. And we're at E.E. E. Wilson Wildlife Refuge. Okay, yeah, so I, I, it also took me a minute to figure that out, like the name, because everyone's tossing so many names around, I had to get that all dialed in, but why don't you introduce yourself? I, I'm, my name is David Church, live in Dallas, Oregon. And uh, you're a serious beagle man. Yep, for about 35 years. I wanted to wrangle you in. Uh, when Charlie told me about you, he was really pumped. And he was like, this guy's been running beagles forever, and we're going to have a good time. Because, you know, when I came here, these are a lot of these. Uh, Nick and Charlie are just my friends, and they're friends of the show, and, and they're getting their feet under them. So he was like, oh, yeah, no, David's been doing this a long time. He's going to have good dogs, and you did not 
<laughs> disappoint. Glad, glad, the, glad we did well. So um, why don't you explain a little? Why don't you tell us tell us everyone about your uh, your past and how you got into hunting with beagles and? Well, growing up, my dad had big hounds, and so he wouldn't let me tag along, you know, occasionally. But then uh, I got a beagle. My at then girlfriend, wife now, uh, we got a beagle as a pet, and she was just a sh out of show dog stock and. One day I was up scouting for elk, and uh, she started barking, and I was wondering why. So then I walked out, and the rabbit went by, and she went by, and uh, that's how I got started. Um, back then, I'd just drive the roads, and I'd see a rabbit, and I'd turn her out. And then she started. She was kind of, she was a pretty lazy jump dog, because, hell, I <laughs> yeah. gave her the rabbit. Um, and then, oh, probably two years later... I was told about this place, E.E. E. Wilson, and that there's a bunch of rabbits. So I came down here one day, and I had my wife and my six-month-old baby girl with me. And it just happened to be the first annual Mary's Peak Hound Club put on a handicap hunt for people in wheelchairs. And so I heard the dogs, and so I said, oh, I'm going to walk out here for a second. I left them in the car. About three hours later, I made it back to the car. <laughs> Uh, these guys had a whole had whole packs. I mean, they. I mean, it was awesome. And I started looking right away for more dogs, you know. And it took a while. It took me probably five years to get, you know, a, a good pack of hunting dogs. And uh, anyway, that's pretty much how it started and how I got involved with Mary's Peak. Who, I mean, we do not so much now with the COVID thing, but we put on all kinds of things. We have a, a hunt for archers. We have the wait, wait, shooting, shooting arrows at the cottontails as they run by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, is that even and, successful? Yes. People well, can do it? Last year, was the <laughs> last year was the first year that we had an archer actually kill one. <laughs> How many years? I'm trying. Probably 10. <laughs> but my friend George and I, we come out here with our bows, and uh, he's a lot more successful than I am. But we get rabbits. I mean... There's a lot of flinging and a lot of missing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not just hopping along. So are you using those, um, are you just using a standard broadhead or are you using like those no, flu-flus with the judos? Yeah, judo with the judos on it. Yep. And uh, that, that's what we do. We don't shoot very many. We just enjoy the sound. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we run jacks and we run the hare up in the mountains and... Uh, There's no way I'm going to let you get away without talking about jackrabbits. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> So the jackrabbits we hunt are on the uh, tree farms, Christmas tree farms, which there's a lot of them around here. And uh, they're a hardy animal. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it takes a 12-gauge at fairly close range to actually, you know, bring it right down. Um, I don't know if it's because of all the adrenaline or whatever. They're just, but they're big and tough. Yeah, and they're tough. And they run half-mile ahead of the dogs probably that's what i was gonna ask and and all the uh tree farms there's no grass i mean they spray it so there's just dirt so the dog is pretty much a heads up run i mean they got to be sitting in the air not on the ground mm. if they're running on the ground or and they have to get wild i mean here when we run the cottontails they need to be closer because those rabbits are making jogs but they're they've got to get crazy uh and they, they really spread out because if they don't, the scent's gone. There's, yeah. you know, so the dogs will be running three rows over, you know, scenting air. Dang. So it, it's fun. And it, it's. So in hair coursing in the desert, most of the 
I guess the boring part is just walking until you find a hare, until you find a jackrabbit. And all of us dream of finding a dog, using a finder dog that can just find a jackrabbit. But a lot of the old timers will say, well, jackrabbits don't have scent. They don't give off scent. And obviously we know that they may have a, a smaller amount of scent than say like a elk or a raccoon or something, but they... They definitely do give off a scent. Well, they'd have to because three rows over, whatever direction the wind's blowing, and they're running heads up. So there's a lot of there's a lot of jackrabbit hunters that are listening to this right now that are frothing at the mouth, and they're like, oh, David has the beagles that can do it. So do you think it's an environmental thing, why they're not able to smell jacks very good in the deserts? Do you think... Yeah, it's a lot drier. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know, sucking up dust. Yeah, so explain the world here to our listeners all over the world. What kind of terrain are you hunting in and, and what are the unique challenges of this place? For Well, we we hunt basically every species. Yeah. I mean... For, for let's say, what we're doing today for brush rabbits and, um, and eastern cottontail rabbits. Uh, it takes a hardy dog. I mean, it's thick. I mean, you saw what yeah, it was like. I yeah. mean, it's th- it tears them up. Um, you got to have one that gets in there. I mean, I like a fast dog, so... What is the definition of fast beagle? What do you think? Miles per hour, movement style? Everybody has a different Yeah, it's all perspective. Yeah. yeah. On, on, I think my dogs are fast, but they might not be back east. Oh, okay. You know, I can only compare to what we run here. So what would be that fast speed? What do you think they're pushing through the brush? What do you think? Here is... today, they were about four and a half miles an hour. Yeah. They were boogieing pretty good. I, yeah. yeah. And it's thick. I mean, that slows them down. It's not just know? thick. It's also thick and sharp. Yes. It's it's a different kind of sharp than the southwestern deserts, but that, that blackberry, it's it's like the meme of Oregon blackberry, but it's yeah. no joke. No, it's not. And you saw today, we had snow a few weeks ago, and it flattened them down. I yeah. mean, there's places where you're watching the rabbit, and the rabbit is hunkering the ground yeah. just to get through, and then those dogs come through, and... You, you see the berries moving up and down as yeah. they're trying to get through it. And there's places uh, they actually chew their way through. I saw the, I could only see in certain times in that thicket of just their little white, the tips of their yep. tails just wagging furiously. Yeah. Oh, and of yeah. course you can hear them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I just thought when I, when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm no stranger to spiky plants, you know? And I was like, hey, it's just going to be whatever. I know it's going to be thick, but those blackberries are so gnarly. They, their needles are tiny and like almost so thin they can stab into you so easily. And then also they grab you. Yeah. Like they're like grippy. And you wonder why they want to go through it. But, yeah. But that's their love. I mean, they, they would, they'd run themselves to death. Oh, you know? they but are they, gritty. They, they tear themselves to death. I mean, you know, you got to go home and doctor them up. And that's why I have 11 dogs. Because I can run all these guys the 11 miles we did in the Blackbirds today and still come out tomorrow yep. with a different pack. And that is so true. So, you know, I, I have the most dogs around here. Um, I like starting and running young dogs. Um, I hear that a so, lot. So I just keep getting more because I don't want to get rid of the other yeah, ones. Yeah. I mean, I get attached to them. And well, what's like, a like old Bourbon today, you know, yeah. he's 11 years old. Um, but I don't want to get get rid of him he's, he, he's, he's still he's, got it yeah he's he's a good dog for a yeah. few hours yeah and uh and he enjoys it you know i was going to ask you what is the lifespan of a good hunting beagle around here what what do you realistically expect to get out of their prime and then what else can you get out of them that they just keep teaching and going for fun oh i think they'll go until they die <laughs> well yeah um most of mine you know 13 or 14 years is a pretty good life for them um, I think their prime's probably five or six. So, so from like two, uh, two years old to seven years old. Yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, 
you, you'll know each dog is a little bit different. They're, you know, most of my dogs are built the same, but you'll see other people where their dogs are shorter. Mm. I like dog a little longer. Yeah, I noticed that. Because they last longer. I see. You know, especially, you know, up over. Those little square dogs just don't last as long. Interesting. Interesting. I did notice that your beagles were furrier than any beagle I've ever seen and also a little longer. And like not lower, but just longer. I don't know if they're they're not furrier. They have a thicker coat. Okay. I see. Um, but like I said, mine yeah, poor comes from Canada. So yeah. you, when they live at 60 below up there, you know, I'm sure the breeding is part of that. Yeah. And I, that's the thing. I, I didn't even know beagling was big in Canada. It oh, yeah. sounds like a lot of your stock comes from Canada. Yeah, all mine. That's where I started. Yeah. A long time ago, where when I was looking for dogs, I got a hold of a Beagle magazine, and okay. I went through that thing, and I, I wrote and called, and only one person ever, and he called me back. It was Branko Kirpan from Manitoba, Canada, Branko's Beagles, and I told him, and he, he goes, well, I got one here I think you'll like, so he sent her out, super dog. and then I just kept buying. <laughs> <laughs> Did and, you? And buying. Did you build um, your, your foundation from that dog you Oh, yeah. And so I uh, probably, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years into it, my kids got older, and they were all in sports and all that, and I couldn't, didn't have the time to, you know, get the dogs like they should. They sat in the kennel a lot. So one day I decided, you know, I don't want to see them out sitting out there. Yeah. So. I had a friend lived up in Benton City, Washington. I called him up and I said, do you want all my dogs? He says, yes. So I took them all up there. I got no dogs. So after the sports, after my last one went through high school, I called him up. I said, I want more dogs. I want them all back. <laughs> well. Oh, it's been time and passed. But yeah. You know so I mean. he goes, okay, I got two. So he gave me two. And I was running those and I called Branco up again. I said, I want, I want to start getting some more dogs. So I got one. Um, she was a, or still is, uh, I think she's six now, seven. Anyway, she was right from five months old. Um, she, she was really good. She finished as a field champion, UKC field champion at seven months. So, and she's kind of the stock of everything I have. Dang. Um, so good producer too. Oh yeah, every single one. I haven't had a bad one out of her at all. Wow. Um, so that's I, I got started again. So Contender now, for best dog. Yeah. So now <laughs> I'm I'm working back up, and I've gotten I think uh, five other dogs from Branco since her. So um, he doesn't send me anything bad. That's, I mean, if Branco tells me, he tells me straight what it is. You yeah. know, and. Um, He's been doing a long time, I'm assuming, a very long oh, time. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, I, I yeah. would guess first in dog. the hunting world of beagles, he's he's probably the best, per, you know, breeder that there is. And at that age, they're they're so far beyond ego usually. It's just, this dog is going to work. It, I like it. And that's what I found at least. Yeah, they're not just selling you a coal. Yep. I mean, I don't think he keeps coals. I mean, if he tells you about a dog, at least for me, yeah, it's been. And when it gets shipped here, I mean, it's hard to get him here. I mean, he's in Canada. I'm in Oregon. Um, the only place they can fly into is Portland, and you can't fly him into Portland anymore because Air Canada cargo mm. doesn't come to Portland. So if I want anything more, I've got to drive. Yeah, to it's him. a long drive. How far is that drive? I made it once, and it took probably about 27 hours. 
that's how far it is to drive from here to my house. <laughs> so, and it was fun. I mean, he, we got there. He said, what do you want to see run? I mean, field champions, whatever. I mean, he has lots of field champions, international field champions. We said, we want to watch these dogs. Let's Let us, do it. Let's take them out. Does he run so, only beagles? Or does he have other kinds of hunting dogs too? No, well, I I heard that he was had some plots at one time, mm. but I I don't know. You're interested but, in those beagles, <laughs> yeah? Mostly beagles, and he has seventy or eighty dogs. You know, yeah. he, he has his own line that he started from way back when, and you know. Do you, do you think your up. dogs are very lion bred, or do you think they? No, they are very lion bred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just keeping them tight. Yeah. You find what works for you, and you keep that going. Yeah, and it started with him, you know. Yeah. So if I have, they know what dogs they've sent me. So, I, so if I have a, if I want to have a litter, I'll call him and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And gotcha. he'll either say, "No, I wouldn't do that one, but I would do this one." Got it. So, do you do you outcross occasionally to add some diversity, or is, nope? I haven't, I haven't outcrossed with anything I have here. I have before. Gotcha. It's always a, it's so it's a very, it's a very um, heated, not I guess not heated. It's a very common debate in the hound hunting community. Is out my dogs are almost all outcrossed. Yeah. There's very little line breeding. You, in there. you get some vigor yeah. with that, but you, with what I have from him, with the breeding that he, we talk about, I get consistency. Exactly, and that's the I strength mean, of line breeding. Yeah, yeah. And I, know, I mean, I can pretty much tell you what those puppies are going to be like. That's why in my community, a lot of really popular breeding is a purebred greyhound to a purebred saluki. You're going to get a lot more of that consistency than if you just have like I have two long dogs, which is a that's the term for like a hybrid of just sighthound breeds. You know, that litter, Calypso, my female, weighs their litter mates, and she's 42 pounds and her brother's 71. I mean, it's a big variation in yeah, size. It is. He's a monster. It's those two black dogs I showed you in the picture. Those two were litter mates. And her head's like this big, you know what I mean? So yeah. I was just curious about, you know, your breeding. Those are, I mean, they're doing it hard. And I, I was going to ask you if you could explain what we're hunting out here and what kind of rabbits we're running. Cause I just learned a lot about rabbits today well, and I'm a rabbit here, guy. Out here we have the Eastern cocktail, which was introduced here. And we have what we call the brush rabbit, um, which is what you saw is considerably smaller. Full grown is probably a pound and a half. Yeah. They're really small. <laughs> and the, uh, then they run super tight circles generally, but today we had the, those ones that ran pretty good. Today was an exceptional day because you were like, ah, they don't really catch those very often. And then no. and, here comes a whole. Oh. And what do we do? We yeah. caught two. Yeah, we caught one of each species too. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen an eastern cottontail before ever. Yeah. And Charlie, while we were driving around, he was like, they're everywhere here. And I was like, I haven't seen one splattered on the road, and I haven't seen one anywhere. I'm intentionally looking. I'm a rabbit guy, and yeah. no, so we just needed. You to don't see good. many. I'm on the road, but if you. Find a patch of blackberries. They're in there. Yeah, they're probably there. And that's the thing too is that there's so much cover here that really, I mean, it, they're cover specialists. But it was cool, and I mean, you called it exactly right. Is the the when those eastern cotton when the cottontails would pop out of the brush, they were usually much bigger loops. Those brush rabbits, we just stood in one spot, and yeah. then he just running around us. Yep. And then who caught him? I mean, who brought him back to us? What was his name? Ozzy. Ozzy. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're a good boy, Ozzy. Yeah, obviously. Ozzy, the state the obvious. Yeah, he had a pit bull grip on that thing. Yes, he did. He didn't want anybody else to have it, but he he retrieves every rabbit. That's and he came straight from Branco. Is that common for them to pack the rabbits back? No, uh, Branco's 
appears to be. I have three dogs from Branco, and all th three of them retrieve. Huh. So, um, yeah. Frida says it started back in the 70s with a dog called Branco's Con Man. He started retrieving, and then well, apparently a lot of theirs do. Hmm. So it's it's nice because we would have never seen those rabbits no at all. No clue. He just brought them out. And we were too busy flapping our jaws. Yeah. I mean, we could have made 10 episodes out there. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, and so they went quiet for a while, and we didn't even notice. And then Charlie's like, he's carrying a rabbit. Yeah, here comes Ozzy. Here he comes. And first was a cottontail, and then was the brush rabbit later in the day. And you took a crack shot at a brush rabbit. Yeah. He's crying. thinking about it. You got him. You got uh, I, him. I think I, I think I did. It, well, you didn't end up right yeah. there, but I'm pretty sure I hit him. Yeah, I, I think so too, and I got that on film. So, but it, this is all new to me, and so I'm I'm pretty exuberant about it, you know. And there's obviously tons of beagle guys listening to this, and a lot of East Coast beagling. When I was in Kentucky recently with my family, I heard beagles. I was trying to see if I could make my way through the brush and make my way to it, but theirs is a lot of, of brush hog. At least what I saw in Kentucky is um, brush hogs to clear out lanes everywhere. And then you send the beagles into just like thickets of like weeds and grass and whatever brush. But here it's, I guess we kind of got some of those vibes here at, at this place. But I guess apparently you guys are hunting beagles in the mountains too. Oh yeah. We're, I mean, luckily here in Oregon where I live, we have the brush rabbit. We have snowshoes. We have hair that don't turn white. And we have the jackrabbits. So within an hour of my house, I can be running any one of them. That's awesome. Um, here, uh, the snowshoes and the hare that we run are up in the mountains. And it's extremely steep. Super steep. And it's, so there's no flat running for them there. Yeah. So 25 miles of that in one day, it's, it's a good run. And they make, you know, three quarters of a mile circle. And like I was telling you, the only issue we ever had with anything off game is we had some young dogs that we just turned them loose and there stood an elk. <laughs> so uh, they got a lesson then. We have never had any problem. Yeah. Never had a deer race. Um, it just seems like that's what I like about Branko's dogs too. They're, they're intense. You start them on the rabbit, that's what they're looking for. Um, I'm not having to... Well, like today, yeah, we had those deer right there, deer running right through the middle of the pack, and not one dog Absolutely. even even looked. I grinned right there. I was like, that was impressive. I mean, that deer was right there. It was like ten feet away from him, just yeah. walking off, and they didn't. Yeah. They were just brrr, going right through their yeah. effort. Yeah. And that cottontail zipped right through there, and yeah. I was like, that is awesome. And so I mean, that, that's nice that I don't have to worry about. I just turn them loose, yeah. you know. And I mean, they run across deer and elk every time we're in the mountains. So. Uh, one time we were in there and well, we were ready, we were leaving and we had all the dogs packed up except for one of my friend's dogs and they'd been running this hill for six hours and uh, we he he had an old dog kind of like bourbon and he'd laid down up there so we were tracking him through there and I mean we were jumping elk the whole time we went through that up that hill so those elk had obviously been there all day yeah and you know. Just, it's just nice being able to trust your dog. Yeah, and that's this is no disrespect to the big game guys at all. It's just such a different game because, a, you know, bobcat or whatever can live in a huge area. But one thing I just treasure about small game hunting is it's just right here. Yeah. You know, for every bobcat that could be in this, how big is this place? This area is 1,286 acres. So 
two bobcats, maybe three in this area around here? And how many rabbits do you think live in there? There's a lot of rabbits. Yeah. I mean, like I was telling you, 10 years ago, they would take 2,500 rabbits out of here a year. Right now, can they keep track of it here at the, the ODF and W office? That's awesome. Um, the last few years has been like 350, 400. But you can, t I mean, the habitat is going away compared to what it used to be. So what's happening? Break it down. They're they're coming in and burning and mowing it. I don't. They they've got some agenda. They just don't tell us what it is. Yeah, they're always up to something. Yeah, yeah. And so they're they're depleting the brush, increasing the open area. Correct. Yes. Okay. And since they have, there's a lot of elk here. Um, I was there's say. there's a herd just across the road here that probably is in the 350 range. Yeah. So when a herd of 350 comes through some farmer's field, Not you know we, we have a lot of grass seed here. Yeah. And uh, they just decimate it. This really does look like perfect. If 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 the tall timber wasn't around, this would be just like West Texas, perfect jackrabbit country. You know the grass seed farms or jackrabbits. Mecca, I mean, just perfect for them. You know what I mean? The, the 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 little hummocks that the grass makes, they could just lay down, tuck in there, and have an endless smorgasbord of yeah. grass and open land to run. But the trees yeah. aren't their jam. Too many carnivores that like. Yeah, they the ones on the tree farms that we run here um, don't like to want run the ones that don't have some type of border mm -hmm. because the jackrabbit will just keep going and then. It, there's a lot of people around here. I mean, you know, yeah. a lot of small farms and just people who've moved from the city. Um, and so when your dog goes running across their porch, they get a little upset. So we Even try if it's to, a cute little beagle? Yeah. <laughs> well, you got 10 of them running yeah. across there. Yeah. You know, when we go in the mountains, we'll, we'll drop 20 dogs, you know. Just like to listen to sure. the roar. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> so. Um, <laughs> the roar, yeah. They, they get mad when, you know. Their cat comes running back up on the porch and is clawing at the door trying to get in, <laughs> even though the dog's not chasing it. But, yeah, yeah. So we try to only run the Christmas trees that are either way away from everybody or, you know, have some border to it. And the jacks will stay, kind of. Yeah, 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 they don't like going in the big timber. Mm -mm. So Yeah. But like I said, we, we're lucky here because we can run anything and we can run all year long. There's no season uh, and there's no bag limit. Do you think the heat, you put them away in the summer? Oh, yeah. That, it, until it gets really hot, we'll get up super early, yeah, same. run for four or five hours before, you know, and quit at nine o'clock or yeah. something. So, um, don't want to kill a dog out there. Yeah, the man, that's my MO. You know what I mean? We're hanging leashes up by May, or I'm sorry, by April at the very latest. We, we run at a couple of our, I, I live at 5,000 feet, right at 5,000 feet, and, uh, we, cut, we run at a couple prairies that are 7,200 feet, and those stay significantly cooler longer. And yeah. so we're able to stretch. The hares start breeding there later, and the jackrabbits start breeding there later, and they um, start breeding around April. We always hang up the leashes when it's breeding season. We don't want to. So right now we're just starting to hit the, the breeding yeah. season. I saw that that brush rabbit was scrotal. I couldn't yeah. believe it so yeah. early in the year. Yeah. It's, they'll start having litters here the end of February. That's crazy. So, um this is when the good running is. Yeah. And, and like I said, we don't shoot hardly any of them. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, we just go out. And you didn't even pull that gun out until I asked you. I was like, I want a brush rabbit yeah. in my hand. I want yeah. to see one. And you're like, well, let's make it happen. Yeah, I just take it along. Aussie. <laughs> a lot of times we just have our bows. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> if I would have known, I would have brought mine. It's fun. The, the people we take out for the 
archery hunt. They're, they're most all of them are traditional archers. I shoot a longbow. Bear Montana. So. I have a, have a recurve. A okay. Matthews recurve. Nice, but, nice. Um, Open sights. Yeah. Nice. No, no. Oh, I have, you, I have you pins. Pins? You yeah, pins I have pins. On it? Very rarely do you pin a rabbit out here. Yeah, you don't have time. No. I mean, sometimes you might catch it sneaking through and stop. It's pretty rare. Most of the shots are on the fly. Yeah. So I. Yeah. So you sit there and you're holding that thing with the compound. You can sit and hold it. So yeah. you hold it for two, three minutes. Definitely. And uh, wait for that because there's no way you're pulling it back and shooting. Not us. So. <laughs> Not with the rabbit running as fast as he is. Yeah, and I was—I've dreamt of using my longbow to get a coon out of the tree, but I just—I was like, eh, I—I I didn't want to bring it all the way up here just to, you know, with Charlie. And then we saw a bunch of coons, tons. I couldn't shocking how many there are here. We walked those um, hazelnut farms. Yeah. I mean, you—the dogs find some, but you also just shine around yeah. and see yeah. them everywhere. But. Anyway, uh, I wanted to shoot an arrow one, but I didn't want to deal with it. But if I would have known that this could have happened, I would have, I would have made it happen for the coons and the rabbits. It would have yeah. made my bow worth it. But yeah. that sounds fun. I want to try that one day. It is fun. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of flinging, not a lot of killing. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that just means there's a rabbit for next time. Yeah. Let me ask you something. This is another big question I've always had. And these are, I have a bunch to, I've had a lot to think about because I've been dreaming of beagle hunting for rabbits in a long time. Tell me about like predators on the beagles themselves we haven't had or i haven't had any trouble i've seen coyotes come but they have not come in aggressively other than when there's pups they're more aggressive but i still haven't had it's not even an a issue predation more of just a get away from here kind of thing when the coyotes attack them if they have I, you, i've never yeah, had one have, attacked yeah um but oregon now has wolves and there's wolves the whole state don't let them tell you they're just in eastern oregon i've seen them over here in the coast range yeah i've heard this uh, already a bunch from several houndsmen yeah they're here i've only heard of one time and the guy had video of it up in the cascades his dogs were running and a black wolf come out right behind him um <laughs> he didn't lose any dogs yeah <clears throat> he got them he drove yeah. the wolf off too and or yeah yeah and yeah. he toned his dogs and they came they, in they came in Oregon has pretty ridiculous laws on the wolf thing, it sounds. I mean, you can't even shoot a wolf that's attacking your dogs. It's no, a, but well, I who mean, wouldn't? Who wouldn't, exactly. Yeah. In New Mexico, it's if a wolf is bothering you in any way, shape, or form, your property, even if it's biting your car, it's it's done. You know what yeah. I mean? And everyone's, that's socially perfectly acceptable, and it should be, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really an opinion podcaster, but I mean, if something's attacking your property... Yeah. We got a problem. A yeah. wolf shouldn't even be near a human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it should be booking it at any yeah. opportunity, which they always do because they'll get a bullet. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. not in Oregon. They're not scared of people. They come right up to people. I've videos of people deer hunting in Eastern Oregon where the wolves come right down the road towards the truck. That's crazy. <clears throat> and and the thing is, is like I try to pay attention to the laws. I mean, let me rephrase that. I definitely pay attention to the laws everywhere I go, and I typically just avoid any of the trouble by not hunting myself. You know, I don't shoot anything, but Oregon is a very heavily regulated state compared to what I'm used to. And yeah. I've, I've hunted around a bit, and this is, there's yeah. a lot of yeah. things. Yeah, there is. It's just $390 to get a rabbit license to shoot a rabbit. And I was like, nah, I'll just, I guess we just need Aussie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was surprised at that. And, you know, I've heard a lot of beagles in my area. It's very uncommon, but 
very unpopular just because it doesn't really work very well, but coyotes can thrash a beagle pack pretty quick. Oh, yeah. They're hungry, and yeah. everything's hungry in the desert. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're lucky here. I mean, they're, all those predators are here. <clears throat> Did have <clears throat> uh, a dog run into a bear one time, and uh, we couldn't. He, he quit. The rest of the packs keep going. I didn't understand what was going on, so we hiked all the way to the top of the damn hill, and he was hiding even from me. So we got up there and we could see the bear tracks and everything where the bear had been. So Holy smokes. It took him an hour probably before he even left my side and then Wow. I wonder if the bear tried to get him or if he I don't know. We never heard anything other than, you know, the rest of the dogs running and when they come through he wasn't there. And uh, we we're only assuming that he ran head on into that bear and uh, Dang. (laughs) Let me ask you something. You hunted you've hunted way before there was uh, GPS and telemetry. Oh, yeah. So how'd that go? I've always loved to ask this question because it's... You turn them loose. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, ever lose any? And... I've never lost a dog other than somebody picking one up. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I just lucky. I mean, you try to get your training in before so that when you call them, they come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and luckily, it's in a smaller area, it seems. Yeah. You, you have... Imagine turning out like you know, bear hounds that are running like 20 miles away from you, 15 yeah, miles. Yeah, I can't even imagine it without... And Well, back then, you know, you still had telemetry. You just didn't have GPS. Beep beeps. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, use those pretty widely? Uh, no, not with the beagles. I mean, oh, yeah. Um, didn't really rely on any kind of telemetry stuff until Garmin came out with theirs. And um, You like them? Oh, yeah. Now, when I turn loose, I panic <laughs> if... You know, one collar stops working or, you know, I can't imagine what we did before to what we do now. It's so nice to know exactly where they are, how far away they are. What they're doing. Um, Yeah. You learn so much about what they're really up to. Yeah. And you can see if you really want to, you can just watch that thing. And when the circle keeps circling, then you go get on the circle if you really want to kill something. Yeah. And you just stand there and wait for it. It's real common for, um... You can use a combination of trailing hounds and sight hounds to hunt coyotes. And you'll dump the trail hounds into the thickets, and they'll hunt the coyotes out, and then you be ready. And you can watch that race on your Garmin and just kind of have a more or less idea where we need to be paying attention when that coyote comes running out in the open, and you send the sight hounds to them. And yeah. Very effective in, like, Minnesota and places where there's a combination of this and open. It, mm-hmm. it would be awesome. All I could think about when I was driving through the grass seed areas with oh, how yeah. effective that would be. And yeah. we saw two coyotes just chilling yeah. in the open grass seed areas. And most of the grass seed farmers don't want you to kill them. I figured that. And even in eastern Oregon, my cousin has an alfalfa farm over there, and he doesn't want you killing anything. Correct. Because there's a lot of jackrabbits. and That's your you helper. Know, yeah. Yep. I figured Ground that. Brown squirrels. I mean, you know. I figured that the the grass seed farmers here would be pumped if I was running jacks with my greyhounds or if, if there was any around, you yeah. know what I mean? But, yeah, there's none in the grass seed fields here. Which is so Only weird. the Christmas trees. Yeah, I guess the Christmas trees give them just a bit of that aerial cover they need from their... Flying. And that's where they were introduced, oh. you know. They were supposed to keep the grass down. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen. 
and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. So they introduced, so it's blacktails or whitetails? Blacktail jacks here. I can't even believe they can survive here. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, they have a very limited range. Yeah. So it's very modified habitat that they need, but that sounds like a, I'd like to return and try that. I would, that's the exact opposite of my rabbit hunting and and I really wanted to experience the the magnitude of the blackberries and those little guys are fearless yeah they're going straight in there so and what I wanted to ask you too these these are kind of questions I like to ask everybody but what was the name of your favorite dog and why why her name was Dana first one I got from Branco maybe I'm sure I have dogs that are as good as her but at the at that point when was this oh probably 1993 um i was three years old (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she just would do everything i mean she hit the brush of course you know my lazy dog that i didn't have look for the rabbit i would look for the dang rabbit for her you know and then put her on and just listen to the race so she was like the first one that you know i had and that just busted in there and uh she could run by herself she'd run at a thing um she ended up being the first uh, UKC Grand Champion West Coast. Um, she was just a good dog. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. Yeah, yeah. Was, you have. I mean, I'm sure you can count on a few, like one hand, where these dogs that really stand out in your mind. But I always like to ask people that have been running for like 30 years, and you always get a good answer there. You know. But another thing I like to ask is, what, what do you find? Absolutely unacceptable, like in reality, a right? dog that stands there and don't go in the brush. Yeah. As soon as you turn them loose. They better be. I don't care how thick it is out there. I mean, you saw how thick it, it is. It was horrible. They, yeah. they don't. They better not stand on the road. Does that happen often, though? Some people's dogs wait, just kind of piddle around until it, until they start a rabbit, then they go in. Hmm. I I don't stand for that. Yeah. Um, back in my beginning days, that would have been my dog. Yeah. Um, now I I mean. I'm not looking for the rabbit. They need to look for the rabbit right. and find it. So definitely, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's it's hard place. Yeah, they got to burrow in there. These these rabbits are in that tight, thick stuff that some of it's only six inches off the ground. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, it's completely and, invisible. Like it completely, you can't see a thing. You couldn't yeah. see your hand in front of your face if you yeah. stuck it all the way out. Like, no, no, it's it's hard. And they and you saw they get tore up. You got to doctor them up when. You get back, and 
Um, some of them lose parts of their tail. And, yeah, yeah, uh, that's the first thing I noticed is that they, they're waggers. Yeah. Those little dudes are waggers. And so which one was the one that was missing a bit of his tail, actually? That's Grim. Grim, yeah. He's, yeah. What happened? Uh, it, he just beat it off. I had an appointment to have it. his tail docked, and by the time I got him there, that section had fallen off. And it, he still beats, you know, some, but it's not the artery at the tip the of the tip. tail. And uh, he would be almost anemic sometimes by the time Holy we got him back to the truck. And, you know. Just because it kept reopening because he just couldn't yeah, stop wagging. Yeah, he was just like, he would be, he's a blue tick and he would be red. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he, he would not quit. I mean, you know. When people think of the beagle, I, I until I started watching beagle hunting videos, I'd never seen a blue tick beagle. Is that a thing, or is yeah. that yeah? It's... Yeah, the the beagle can be any hound color except okay. for black and white. And the breed standard, like that's tall. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. In the show ring, you always just see the like white, yeah. the tricolor ones. Yeah, that's the kind of the show dog thing. Yeah, but I mean, I don't care what. Uh, I like blue ticks myself. They look cool. Yeah, I've never seen one until I saw yours in person. Yeah, so they're they're really cool. I mean, they just look like a yours kind of look like a midget limousine blue tick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, that I was very curious about that, and if that if that was an admixture from like other breeds coming in or no, that's just, no, it's just history of the beagle. Yeah, yeah. And so I was gonna ask you, have you hunted anything else besides rabbits, or are you just a rabbit man to your core? Uh, you mean with dogs? Yeah, or, with dogs. Uh, just I used to run coon and bobcat when I I had some big hounds too, but um, it got too much to be running at night all day and then running the beagles too. So I gave up the big hounds and just kept the beagles. You just thought the beagle was more. What, what do you love about rabbit hunting, I guess, is my question, too. Uh, it's You see a lot of the race. You, you're not just watching your garment and driving the roads looking for, you know, waiting for the tree and then going to the tree. You, you can actually see the dogs working. Yep. I love that. And um, if you're out running and you just want to sit down you can sit down in one spot and still watch there's the benches out there yeah and we did sit at a bench yeah. like it was cool to because the rabbit circles yeah you know and... i really do love that yeah I, I was enjoying that immensely small game hunting is kind of like bird hunting where you get this rapidity of action and there's so many of them in a dense area like we've kind of talked about earlier and just yeah i really really enjoyed that too and, and seeing your dogs work you know where i live in the west you can, or actually, you're way more west than me. <laughs> Where I live in the southwest, you can follow your dogs on mules and horses really well. But yeah. here, pff, yeah. you would get annihilated trying to take a horse through there. Yeah, there's no, not yeah, unless you're at a jackrabbit <clears throat> where you could Christmas walk. tree farm or Christmas tree. I mean, it's too steep and brushy in the mountains. It's very steep where I live, but not brushy. Yeah. It's all open on the understory. I mean, there's places that are thick, but it's not like this. This is just, if you're not in a clear cut, it's good luck. Yeah, we have Salmonberry's Devil's Club. I mean... Devil's some, Club and Salmonberry are just like... There's some nasty stuff those dogs run through. The Salmonberry is like the blueberry on steroids. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw my first Salmonberry's and I was no way. And we'll pick up this interview right after a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Hound Doggers, if there is one thing that you could identify Houndsman XP with, it has got to be the message of building unity and bridging the gap. That's why we are proud to sponsor with a company like Dogs Are Treed. Dogs Are Treed is a company that is based in Ecom, Idaho. It's run by Houndsmen. The products were designed by Houndsmen. We're talking decades of experience in the field with some legendary hounds doing some legendary work out there 
And Kevin Hall has put his decades of experience into building products that benefit you, the houndsman. So when you're shopping for your gear, check out Dogs Are Treat at dogsartreat.com. And if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code HXP20% off, you will get 20% off of your entire order on all of their branded products. Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. Well, our big hound people are super limited now. Yeah. The only thing you can run here is Bobcat and Coons. They yeah. voted, voted out uh, Cougar and... It's the regulations are so crazy. Well, that's what happens when your entire voting force is driven by like like a city, basically. Yeah, yeah. Port- Portland, 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 Salem, and Eugene decide everything for Oregon. It's just, and, and that's a shame. It's a shame. I'm glad that I live in a very heavily depopulated state that's still pretty in touch with rural living because it seems like as we become more polarized as a society politically, we're just starting to really see that magnification of the effect of. It's just these islands of blue yep. surrounded by a sea of, of red. red. That's, yeah. that's what Oregon is. Yeah, and it's so true. And yeah. I found Oregon beautiful. Its wild spaces are really, truly beautiful. And I was just, I was shocked at some of the things I saw in the cities that I was just like, wow. I'm not, I'm not really a city guy. I'm not used to cities. But like Portland is, is exactly what I expected it to be. You know, I'm going back tomorrow to just spend some more time with a friend that actually lives there. I want to get in there and really see more of it. But well, after the riots, I mean, it everything is just yeah gone to hell. That's what I was kind of getting at, but I didn't want to be too rude. But yeah, it, I mean, the homeless it's true. The I mean, homeless, the homeless, homeless situation um, shocking, <laughs> shocking. Um, and Portland last year, I forget how many murders they had, like 500 percent. You know, and then we had the riots for eight months every single night you know it's yeah I'm, I, I'm glad i don't live up yeah there. i think us rabbit hunters we we're lucky in that rabbits have that stereotype of being this ubiquitous animal that will always be available for us to hunt but that doesn't mean obviously that we don't stand up for our hound hunting brethren and vote that's and and get active in your clubs i yeah. mean have you seen what is the club situation like here you it's say? going it's going away we just, we have no Mary's Peak Hound Club is the one I'm involved with. Um, we used to have probably 80 members. We're down to like 15. Why? Why do you think that I is? Don't, I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Participation's just down. We quit having field trials because we'd only have the same four people show up. Yeah. Um, we used to have 40, 50 people Um I don't know what has changed. I interview people from all over the country, and they all say the same. Anybody that's been doing this for 30-plus years, they all, in the 80s and 90s, it was like you would have this huge jamboree with yeah. like 50 pickups out here. and yeah. just I wonder what and, changed. And like this area we're at now, you know, five years ago, we'd have run into five packs of hounds just out. Even where, just five years ago? Yeah. Wow. And today, did we see anybody no, else? just some guys some walking their dogs. Yeah. Yeah. We had the whole place to ourselves. Uh, that was unheard of. Even last year, it wasn't near this bad. So I don't know if COVID restrictions are still scaring people or, or what happened. But yeah. it's 
it's a real shame too because I I I don't I, I like they say getting active in your clubs you know and it's like yes but no one's even coming it's like it's hunting is getting more popular hunting tag sales have gone up in the west everywhere but why is houndsmanship dropping I don't know and that's the whole point of what we're talking about right now we're, well the, the younger generation doesn't come out yeah you're right that, that, that's where we're losing it totally uh, agree you know. I don't know if they just don't want to walk or they'd rather stay home and play video games. Um, I think that. You know. Screen uh, time is crazy. It, it's, yeah, it's a lazy generation, if you ask me. I mean, it's, it is, I'm sorry to say, but it's easier just to have your kids sit there and watch TV than to go out and do something with them. And also, our population, I think, is, is moved towards the cities. You know, the, yeah. you know, 2000, what was it, 2009 was the first time that more humans lived in cities than rural areas in the first time in our history as a species and if you live in portland how are you going to get out and experience beagle hounds you know what yeah, I mean? there's like, places up there to run yeah you know it's we used to have a bunch of people from the portland area and i guess yeah interest is waning I, I don't know yeah because i you know i grew up hunting but never with dogs and actually before i got into hound hunting and sight hounds of course but until i got into hound hunting my family actually had a pretty negative view on hound hunting. That stereotypical big game hunter view of like, oh, you just dump that tailgate and those dumb mutts run out and find something and you just stand there and drink coffee until yeah. they have something treed. And it's like... Yeah, they don't realize how much work goes into getting to a tree if you get to a tree. They realize how much. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're in the beginnings and it's so hard. Yeah. So frustrating. And, and I, I've been so spoiled because I'm, I typically gravitate towards people that have been doing this for at least 20 years or more. And so I'm spoiled rotten like today. I went out with Master, who has excellent dogs. You've worked for decades to get to that point, And we've had success. But when I also hunt with younger guys like myself that are just getting started, it's very frustrating. Even yeah. though they're starting out with good pack of good genetics and the mentors that are really trying to help them. It's just not the same. No, it's a lot of time. So much money. I mean, thousands, money. thousands of hours, more than money. Yeah. It's the time you put into it, you know? We're out here, you know, this time of year because I work. It's dark when I get home. It's, you know, mm -hmm. dark when I leave. Uh, so they're pretty much limited to weekends. So then they still get 30, 30 hours a week, you yeah. know, they're out yeah. running. And then once spring starts hitting, we're we're running almost every night after work, and then through the summer, same thing, you know. So, as time lengthens, the dogs get more more running time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it it just takes a lot of time. You just don't go buy that puppy and bring it out here and Which is run rabbits. Yeah, yeah. It it takes time. A lot, of, so much, exp and also you kind of have this. I guess the way I'd kind of view it is, I don't know if you're a baker or not, but like when you make sourdough bread, you have that like that like fermented sponge of bread that you just take a piece off and add to your raw dough and it turns it into sourdough. And when you have that mother sponge that's ready, your pack, you can just keep adding that raw dough to it, which is puppies, and keep the yeah, self-perpetuating skillful pack going. So but, when puppies, we, we'll bring them out with the big dogs until they start. Once they start, we never run them with the other ones until they're probably a year old or so. Oh, really? Yeah, but you want them to be able to do it themselves. You don't just want wow. them to be in the pack. So that was the exact opposite of what I was just saying. Wow. Yeah, so once the puppies start, only puppies go. So So you kind of maybe going through that frustrating a little bit of them learning. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's some days you're just sitting there and going, oh, my. But 
the strain that we have now, they, they're pretty, we saw, just with the one puppy we had today, she's in the brush. She's just now four months old. She's starting to open on the track. So um, here pretty soon, she won't be coming out with, we'll just run a puppy pack. So. Wow. So you, you don't want them to be influenced and just following the other dog. Oh, wow. You want them okay. to be able to do the same thing themselves. Oh, so, so you any, don't think they build that independence at all if they're just copying the adults? And no, just, wow. I don't think so. Um, like I say, once they start, they we just bring them out, and then once they're doing better and they're probably seven, eight months old, throw them in, you know, with a small pack. Because I mean, if all they do is follow another dog and bark, what good is that? Yeah, I, that's amazing. And you sounds like you're starting them quite young too. Guess, most most of ours start about four or five months old. Perfect. That's what I was going to ask you. You don't start a coursing hound until their bodies have developed more. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's so power, like so pounding on their bodies. You know, but this is a much more slow and nose game, really. Yeah. yeah. So I was, and then also, tell me what you're looking for in a pup. I, I, it sounds like you don't select pups as much because you're just breeding a line and you've got it dialed in. But what are you looking for in a beagle pup? If you had to pick out a litter, what are you looking for in the characteristics? You you can just reach in. I asked this to Branko one time. How do you pick the best puppy? He says you close your eyes and you reach in. There. <laughs> you never yeah. know. Yeah. You know, unless you keep every one of them, you never know which one's the best. I've- a frequent flyer on our show, uh, Mike Colley, he's a good friend of the guy who owns the podcast. He says the one you hunt the most. And, and that's that's true. Um, Brank, I, Branco to also told me a, a mediocre dog in really good shape can make a really good dog in a, that's out of shape gotcha. look bad. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. So it's especially you know, in my world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more you put into it the more you get out of it. Yeah, I guess you could have a pretty mediocre coursing dog, but if he's in killer shape, he's going to run good. Yeah. yeah, and the same goes out here, yeah. you know. Um, eventually, you'll see, oh, he's not, he's cheating there, or he's doing this or doing that. Where cheating he, is what? That's, that's che- another thing. What cheating, is cheating? Cheating for us is a really competitive dog that doesn't run the whole track. It'll start swinging out and around to get like the it'll lead like back. lead it'll go from oh, the yeah. back and cut everyone yeah like <laughs> I, I don't have any of those i wouldn't well, okay really why is that dogs? why is that bad first of well, all i'm gonna ask you why is that bad because he's just getting up to the front and trying to get ahead and work the track faster right yeah and he goes then he blows past it and he's pulling other dogs that are on the track uh, trying to okay. you know you all saw right. what they do they, yeah they hark in so if this dog is all constantly cheating He's pulling the other dogs all the time. Got it. Okay. And, uh, that's I didn't you, understand where the problem was. That's how you lose rabbits. Gotcha. That dummy, he's just overshooting it or just lying almost. Well, he's, he's he's not lying. He's just cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, he's just, he wants the front so badly that he will do anything to get there. Do you think there's a situation where that dog would be ideal? Like in a competition setting or something? I don't think so. Okay. And, and, and what we run, they're scratched or minus for that exact same thing gotcha gotcha and out here um you can kind of see why maybe a dog would want to cheat when you hit that nasty thick old brush yeah yeah. and it's easier just to pop around just like but you want those dogs that suck it up and go through and just go for it yeah yeah and so that's what i was gonna say what is unacceptable behavior when you're running a rabbit it sounds like that is the major that, that's one worst one in backtracking do beagles do you have like tree aggression with beagles do they they don't seem to do they 
Do you have problems with beagles fighting each other out there? Or no? no, I've never had a beagle fight. That'd be kind of funny only because they're so small. Yeah. You know? It'd be like breaking them up by just like picking the them up. The only fight that I've ever had I caused when I accidentally hit the shock button oh. when I was trying to tone and the, the dog that was... He turned around, there was a dog right on his butt, and then it just started. He's, why did you bite me? Yeah. That's that's the only fight I've had. Sometimes at home, they'll yak at each other, right. you know, when you turn, they're in the dog pen or whatever. But I've, I've never... I did have one fighter, and he didn't last very long. Right. Yeah, I won't tolerate that. Yeah. Absolutely will not. And in coursing hounds, it's very rare. Yeah. They're very peaceful animals. Beagle, I mean... Beagles pretty much are, too. You're selecting for that. Yeah. And because nobody's tolerated that for hundreds, thousands of years. If you got a pack fighter, he's... Yeah. He's done. And and I agree. I couldn't agree more. I don't tolerate aggression. So we have some people in in the southwestern like dry ground lion scene that really love to add beagles to their big game pack. And they say that beagles have these characteristics that only beagles have inside here. What do you love about beagles? For a little dog, they got a lot of heart. That's what I hear. <laughs> and you saw how much heart they have. I mean, it takes a lot of guts and heart to go through the stuff they have. That's why I said I'd make a bad beagle for the brush. (laughs) Yeah, And I'm sure it's not just out here. I mean, those guys back east are running through some nasty, thick stuff too. And so, I mean, it's not just a strain. It's most hunting strains of beagles are are hardy, you know. They they don't get sick very often. Very healthy. You know, they... um, they're small. Yeah. You could have more. That's absolutely <laughs> true. That's I couldn't stop thinking about it and I brought up when we were out there is that how how big does Grim weigh? Grim's probably about thirty two pounds. Yeah, he's he's you know, you have yeah, big he's eagles. A, he's a full fifteen. Yeah. Um and then Boomer's full fifteen, and he's like thirty four pounds. My Salukis are between forty and sixty. My biggest male greyhound is seventy and my littlest one is forty eight or so. You could have you know, 10 beagles for the cost of my pack of feed. You know what I mean? And even though my dogs look like they're prisoner of war camp survivors, they're, they eat more than you think they do. Oh, I'm sure they you know, do. It just they goes, have to. Yeah. And so I, I love that the little dogs, they have so many advantages. You know, smaller space in your home, smaller space out in your kennels, smaller poops to clean up, smaller food bill, smaller med bill. You know, look... When 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 Missy left her little box back there, she had all five of those dogs in there. Yeah. It's just a beautiful little box. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't fit one of my deer in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so and, and I love that idea of your food bill is a lot cheaper than mine. And when you're out here hunting and having a great time, and a beagle comes up to some walker or someone that's just out enjoying nature, and a little beagle comes running out of the bushes it's not intimidating you know no. what i mean it's just a cute little beagle and yeah he screams even and, the big ones i think are cute yeah because they're, they're looking at that lab that's 100 pounds yeah and, and so you have this like adorable little guy that just makes a crazy demonic banshee sound and he yeah. runs back into yeah. the forest yeah so I, I mean there are so many advantages to them i i just curious what you thought i i like beagles i have two beagle mongrels but i like them because they seem to just they did not want to stop no you had to they were dragging their little feet around before it was time to go, and they you, got, you got to leash them up to bring them back. Even when they're tired, you'll be out, and one of them's gonna bust into the brush and find something else. So I, this like, is like I said here. I mean, we are super lucky where we live here in Oregon, and uh, I mean, 
within an hour of my house, I can hunt any kind of rabbit I want. Plus, there's deer, elk, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. You here, I mean, it's really nice to hunt here. You know, if you can. My dad has them in his yard, elk in his yard all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's politically, I don't like it, but as far as what you can do here, the opportunity. I mean, you can go to Central Oregon, not not hunting, but you can go over there and camp and kayak and all those lakes, go kokanee fishing, you know. I mean, it's... The fishing game seems on point here. It is. Yeah. Um, I went to the coast. That was awesome. You have the ocean. Yeah. You know? That's where I grew up. Was right on the Salmon River, you know, there's the ocean. There's no end to our lifestyle when you're, when you're in it like us, or like you especially. I can't even say that. I've only been doing it six years, but... Where do you see yourself going? What where what's a goal you have for your packing? There's no one that's just done. No stagnation. Where, where do you see yourself going? What's your goals? Where do you want to go with this? I just want to have fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, that, that's if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Do you have any goals that you're trying to get your pack to, or you think they're they're peaked? Uh, there's there's never a peak. Yeah. I mean, there's always something better. So what what do you think is better? What would you like to see your pack improve on? Uh. I don't know. I mean, I, I have a good pack, um, but I like watching young ones start, you know. I like watching them get better and even go as boring at the beginning because we don't start our dogs on a pen. We don't use a tame rabbit to start them. They come out here and they start in the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it takes longer, and um, I just want to have fun, yeah. and that's what I'm having. And when I stop having fun, I'll get rid of the dogs. Yep. I hear that literally a lot, that exact phrase. And that's so true. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm getting close to retirement. So once I retire... Your pack's going to get even better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I... I, Retired dudes have the best dogs. (laughs) That's what I want. You know, I... um, My kids did OSET, which was horse-related stuff, youth rodeo. So during that time, when I wasn't running, all the, you know, my friends were still out here running. Um... I missed it, yeah. you know, but... Uh, you had to do what you had to do. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm back and um, enjoying it. You big game hunt other... You you also hunt other animals as well? Yeah. Yeah. Deer and elk. What, what is it about hound hunting that you just you just love so much? I just love the noise. You know what? I For a completely silent endeavor that I take part in, I do too. I got to be honest, I do too. I really... When that box is booming or when those little guys are on the ground just shrieking... Their guts out on a rabbit. It's, yeah. it's it's exciting when they're excited. So I mean, you can tell everybody by their voice, and you can pretty much tell what they're doing. You know. Yeah, and that that's so true, and that blew my mind when I because I never spent any time with scent hound people. I'd been hunting sight hounds for a long time before I even started branching out, thanks to this this show. And um, it is amazing how you can interpret what those scent hounds are doing just by their bark, not yeah. even their who's barking what they're doing how they're feeling you yeah, know i mean you yeah. can tell do they do, are they do they see the rabbit or are oh, they yeah, just you trailing can, you it you can or? tell when there's a sight raise yeah and how often does that happen out here not that often yeah in the forest maybe uh, when they they might jump one up there but it's out of sight quick mm-hmm. i mean yeah yeah i mean if you saw the steepness of well you probably I did, did yeah. if you were up there we were up there on um, agency creek and oh, some yeah. of that stuff was like yeah it's yeah. steep um I would guess probably in one race they prob- they could go a thousand feet in elevation, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those so, little buggers are moving those yeah, tiny legs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and that's 
I love the communal aspect of hound hunting. You know, we're all out there just having a great yeah. time. No camo, no sneaking around. We're just chatting and, oh, there goes a rabbit. You know, yeah. and then, here they come. Yeah, there's a place in, uh, up in the Cascades where we used to go up the club. As, as a club, we would go up there and have a camp out for like three or four days and run. And the Forest Service even named a spot there where we camp, Rabbit Camp Road. So, Perfect. you know, um, right now it's about 10 feet under snow. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say snow probably limits your ability to hunt these little guys because they're so short, right? I mean, yeah, well, especially where our excuse me, snowshoes are. I mean, once the snow starts, you're done. it's done. I mean, you go back in the spring and you can see where the rabbit's been chewing on the things 10 feet in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of snow. Wow. Yeah, I don't deal with snow like that. So probably this year we'd had a lot of snow up there. So. I'm guessing probably 1st of July before we could probably actually get back there. Have they turned brown? They were completely brown at that point? Yeah. Yeah. They're... Well, some some of them. There's been years where they've been kind of half white or the feet are white. When do they start turning white? I That I, I'm not sure exactly. Probably November, somewhere okay. in there. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't that such an incredible yeah, adaptation? It is. Uh, their hairs are so, so successful. You got yeah. jackrabbits are hairs, you know. Yeah. You got southern deserts. Oregon tree farms, Saudi Arabian dunelands, you know, African plains. They're so successful. and They're, they're amazing. I'm, I'm a rabbit dork, so I was especially excited to get my hands on a brush rabbit. And so um, I'm going to say your shooting still made it happen, but uh, <laughs> thank you, Ozzy, for yeah, bringing it in. Yeah. And and I just wanted to ask you, is there is there any questions you had for, you know, me, or you had any final thoughts? Or... No, I'm just glad you had a good time. I had an amazing time. I, I don't want to... I felt a little rude because I was like out there just, oh, you know, this is, but I came to hang out with friends and meet and meet new people, make friends, but I came to see your beagles. You know what I mean? I really was, I'm a rabbit hunter. And so I, I, coon hunting is awesome. I had a great time. I've seen more coons this week than I ever have in 30 years of living. And uh, man, yeah, Charlie's dogs got it done every night. We were just, I mean, we were slamming coons like it was going out of style. We didn't shoot any because there's, I didn't have a tag and I, you know, it was just like, whatever, leave them for another day. But yeah. it was still cool, but I'm a rabbit man. And so to see those rabbits and then to see them succeed and to see the dogs catch one, that blew me away. I only thought my speed mutants could catch <laughs> one. And so like to see that they can catch them in there was. Well, that wasn't from speed. That was yeah, just from the length ten- of time. Tenacity. Yeah. And, and it is a tenacity too with mine, but a, a much more high speed. So yeah. David, I really wanted to thank you for taking yep. me out, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Yep. And, I'm glad you came. Yeah, and uh, I, Next I want... Next time you're up, let us know. And if you want to come back to my place and... Ju- I my, would love to see that. Anytime. Absolutely anytime, All right. sir. Nice thank to you meet so much. you. Yes, sir. Thanks again. You bet.